It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy wet Tuesday to you. And uh, I hope that uh, the day is starting off okay for you, even though the weather isn't so great. Uh, again, thank you to Tom Hodgson for filling in for Phil Paleologos all this week. But no thank you to the Celtics for ruining my second ever sports bet last night. So I signed up for one of the sports bet, you know, the uh, one of the apps now that they're legal in Massachusetts. And uh, as you know, I mentioned yesterday, I placed my first bet on the Celtics Saturday night and I won. I only put $25 into the account. I had like $25 sitting in my Venmo for something. So I transferred that over and said, I'm just going to play with that. That's it. And I won, so I made like ten bucks. And so I said the other night, okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna just take that ten dollars and bet that now. That ten dollars profit. And um instead I noticed that at that point they had put through my bonus bets because they're they're telling everybody, Oh, if you sign up, if you if you spend five dollars or more on your first bet, we're gonna give you two hundred dollars. And it's actually <clears throat> Excuse me, it's actually eight $25 bonus bets. So it's $25 that they were giving me that if I won, I would have gotten like $22 and change. So I wouldn't have gotten the full 25 but I would have gotten 20 something dollars that was, you know, money that I didn't spend. So I was like, all right, I'm going to use one of those bonus bets on the Celtics. They're playing the Rockets, the 15-win Rockets, one of the worst teams in the league. Come on now. They've got to win this. And the, the spread was like 13 points, uh, 12 and a half points. And I was like, I don't know if they can necessarily win by 13, but it is just a bonus bet. So I'm going to try it. And, okay, I understand the Celtics not covering the spread. They actually lost to the Houston Rockets last night. Come on. So I didn't get to see the game. I was at Monday Night Raw. So uh, I don't know exactly what went on, but I saw the final score and I was like, wouldn't bonus bet gone. But I think that that's probably, you know, it's probably going to be the par for the course. I will, uh, I'll run through the bonus bets and the, the money that I put in there originally. And I will then say, okay, that's enough of that. That was fun while it lasted. But I just thought I would let you know that that's, that's where I'm at with that. Okay. And, I also want to point out, by the way, I did have a great time at Monday Night Raw last night. Thank you to my brother for, for the tickets and my dad for driving and all that stuff. But it was great taking my niece to, to her first live wrestling event, seeing her face when she walked out and saw the stage and seeing, you know, all of her favorite WWE wrestlers come out. And it was um, it was a very entertaining show. And the I guess it's the Amica or something, I don't know, the Amp. Is that what we're calling it now, the Amp? Always a good place to see a show. So it um, it turned out to be a good night for us, for sure. Also, last night, it was a very interesting night on South Coast Tonight. I, I got to listen to the second hour 
of the program last night. And you can check it out on podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, or at WBSM.com or on the WBSM app. You can just open up the app, and in the middle section where all the buttons are, right next to the app chat button is a button that says podcasts. And you can just press that and get all of our podcasts right there and listen to it on the app. And so I listened this morning as I was getting ready, and I got up at like 4 a.m., and immediately turned on the second hour because I had heard that there was some uh, some really good back and forth between Chris McCarthy and Counselor at Large Shane Burgo on this housing uh, this rent stabilization issue. And you can you got to hear it for yourself. And I will summarize it, but you've got to listen to it for yourself because it was a good back and forth where. Councilor Burgo came on and, and made his um, his pitch again for why he thinks that there needs to be rent stabilization and why rent stabilization is different than rent control and why the would be, why the city would be looking for rent stabilization versus rent control. And Chris called him out for because he is part of the the I don't remember the formal name of it, but the housing committee that was created on the city council. He was appointed as a freshman councilor. Last year, he was appointed to chair that committee because housing is something that was so important to him and was a major campaign platform issue. So he was the he was made the campaign chair, which he still is, of the housing committee, the committee that is supposed to be studying how to fix the housing crisis in New Bedford. Now, he's also part of the home group, which is a non-governmental entity that is looking at the same thing. Chris called Councillor Burgo out on the fact that since he became the chairman of that housing committee, which he has now served on for 15 months, in that time he has only held three meetings and the total amount of time spent on those three meetings was less than three hours. And Chris asked him, you know, is, is the information incorrect? Because Chris said he thought it would have to be incorrect, that there's, there's other meetings that he just couldn't find the minutes for. Councilor Burgo said, no, that is correct. And explained that he was working on the issue, just not through that committee. So it, it got a little tense. Uh, it did. And to be fair, we know that Councilor Burgo has been working on this issue because he was heavily involved in the ARPA discussions and getting housing money as part of the ARPA plan, you know, t- taking some of that money and putting it aside for housing. He was very um, involved in that. So he has been doing things, but he hasn't been utilizing the council's mechanism for having hearings and, and, and having input and having meetings and handling this out in public. Which is a fair point when you look at, I mean, I'm listening to it. I'm listening to it and saying, like, why are you going after the guy? He's obviously been working on this. But then the more you think about it, the more you think, well, okay, he has been working on it, but one of the major complaints that people seem to have with the housing stabilization ballot question is that there is no plan. They're not presenting a plan. Now, Councilor Burgo said that's by design. 
that they don't want to have something that is fully formed for people to vote on. They want to have something that is just, do you want us to? And then the input can start from the community. And I, I think Councilor Burgo has realized now that that conversation has to start before the ballot question. He, he acknowledged as much last night where they need to start talking to you know, landlords, renters, anybody else that's a stakeholder in this decision, they need to start talk, having those conversations sooner rather than later. But the fact that those meetings weren't happening on a regular basis, but yet housing initiatives are come up with, it does go into this bigger question, which Chris and Marcus talked about in the first hour. You know, Jack Spillane brought up these monthly meetings, for lack of a better term, these get-togethers where the council members are going out to different restaurants and they're getting as many of the counselors as, together as they can. And I, I think in all of the cases so far, they no, I think the last one might have been heavily attended. But I was going to say, you know, they don't have to worry. The way they're looking at it, they don't have to worry about a quorum because they're not holding these as meetings. These are just the counselors going out to dinner together. And we've been assured that no business is being discussed during these get-togethers. And I wanted I want to take Council President Morad at her word that that's the case. But when you have things like housing issues being brought forward, but none of that discussion happening in housing committee meetings, where is that conversation happening? Now, of course, it clearly can be happening one-on-one -on -one and not have it be an issue. Councillor Gomes put, uh, I mean, uh, Councillor Burgo put forth that ballot question with Councillor Gomes and Council President Morad as co-sponsors. They certainly could have had conversations about themselves, uh, amongst themselves about it without it being an issue. But because you're not having those meetings and because there's no real discussion of these matters in the council chambers during the full council meetings, people are starting to scratch their heads and say, okay, what, where are these decisions actually being made? Which, again, everything is probably on the up and up. But when you have people that are questioning that process, I think it's time for the council to take a look at that and say, you know what, let's, let's try to be a little bit more transparent in that regard. You know, they want to be more transparent overall. They want to let people know the inner workings of what's going on. That's why Council President Morad joins us every Friday and brings a different counselor with her so that we can get some of the inside baseball of how everything works. But I think also there's other parts of it where it's just not transparent enough for people. And one of those things that I think is a, a part where there's a lack of transparency, we can certainly talk more about the discussion last night if you if you heard it, if you are concerned about it. The one thing that I will say, I noticed this in the, the, the phone calls that they took last night with Councillor Burgo, and I noticed it in some of the uh, calls that, uh, that Tom Hodgson was getting this morning. We are now getting renters who are calling, I mean, uh, landlords rather, people who own rental property, landlords, who are calling in in support of rent stabilization. The very people that so many callers who probably don't own property are calling up and saying, well, you know, don't own rental property, are calling up and saying, 
you know, you can't restrict how much the landlords can charge. This is capitalism, not, you know, socialism. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Some of the landlords are saying, no, I support doing this because, A, I'm not going to be affected by it because I don't double my rents on people. And B, one one caller, one one landlord who called in uh, yesterday, and again, you got to take them at face value that they that they are because it's not like you're verifying who's on the phone when they're calling into a talk radio show. But this gentleman said that he is a landlord, and that these landlords who are doubling the rent, first of all, that it's happening more than we realize that it is, but also that they are making it hard on other landlords. Because they're making the perception, oh, in in New Bedford, they're just doubling all the rents. When that's probably not predominantly the case. So I'm I'm glad that landlords are starting to get involved in the discussion on either side. I mean, we we certainly need to hear from them on either side. Whether it be, I fear that, you know, a, a rent stabilization plan could impact me if I have to, you know, make capital improvements. If I have to... You know, do this if I have to do that. If if these numbers go up for me, I need to be able to make an adjustment. So we need to hear from those people. But we also need to hear from the landlords who say, "Yeah, I don't, I don't want that to be the reputation of the city because I think most people want to do it right." So I'm glad the conversation is expanding. We shouldn't have to be the ones fostering this conversation. This should all be happening with the city council before they even proposed putting this to the ballot. But whatever, that's over and done with. But these are still the conversations that should be happening now in that housing committee. And I'm, I'm sure now that it will. 508-996-0500, good morning. You're on WBSM. Hi, I, I sent you frustration on the lack of transparency. Also, the uh, with the meeting laws the way they are, they, they're kind of walking a fine line of uh, hearsay is going to be their story. I say so because so-and-so said so, and this is our story, which is, uh, you know, if you take it to court, that washes away. So what you really got here, vague loosely, is a renegade council because of the lack of the transparency. Uh, there's no explanation of... Uh, uh, what's the attributes uh, to these meetings that they're having and uh, the things that are not getting done in public venue for the taxpayer to hear, et cetera. It uh, puts a cloud, puts a cloud over things and kind of grinds things to a halt in terms of moving forward and throwing stones at the mayor in the election year and all that and on a two-year term instead of a four-year mayor term. I, I think they ought to form a circle and just two of themselves out go to a nine-seat council, maybe. Well, I, I feel like this is, you know, again... I think there's too many now, too many heads. I want to take them at their word that, you know, things aren't happening in it's darkness. Right. But at the same time, like, this is why people question what's going on because of things like this. So it's not it's not so much that it means that they're doing something wrong, but it, the perception is there that you're not doing it correctly, and you've, you've got to do something to counterbalance that. You can't, well, just, former, you can't ignore as that. As a former federal employee, state employee, and as a soldier, the only times I really got burned was when I chose to believe at face value that nobody was lying to me. Not true. 
All right. So, well, thank you for the call. My ass is all burned now. I can't <laughs> burn no more. All right. Get yourself some Preparation H and have a good day. Preparation H. Here we go. All right. Take it easy. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in or hit us up on AppChat on the WBSM app. But I am going to take my first break. We'll be back in a few moments. or hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app. Uh, I will have that open throughout the course of the program. And, you know, I was talking in the first segment there about the discussion last night between Chris and Marcus and and Counselor at Large, Shane Burgo. And first of all, uh, you have to listen to it for yourself. You have to listen to it and hear the back and forth. Uh, But I give give a lot of credit to Chris for – you know, bringing up a side of it that hasn't been discussed. I give a lot of credit to Councillor Burgo for staying there and uh, and and trying to explain why it was the way that it was. Uh, I I can see his points. I, I don't think Chris did as well, but you can hear it for yourself. Um, also, you can hear in the second hour, which I haven't had a chance to listen to yet, but in the second hour, they talked with Councillor Burgo about the Community Preservation Act question. And that's something that I want to talk a little bit about today because I ran some loose numbers on this. And let me preface this at the start by saying my numbers could be wrong because I'm terrible at math. But I think I did everything correctly. And the first thing that I did is I said, well, what is the CPA for people who don't know what the Community Preservation Act is? And this actually comes right from the city of New Bedford website. The Community Preservation Act is a Massachusetts state law designed to help Massachusetts towns and cities plan for sustainable growth and provide funds to achieve their community preservation goals. CPA allows participating cities and towns to adopt a real estate tax surcharge of up to 3% to raise funds, creating a local dedicated fund. The CPA helps communities preserve open space and historic resources, create community housing, and develop outdoor recreational facilities. Now you might not care about history, and if you if you do if you don't, I don't know why you listen to this show because we we care about history here. But some people are like I don't I don't care about I don't care about his, preserving historical buildings. Tear them all down so we can build more houses. Okay, fine. But the CPA also helps to create that community housing and the park space and the recreational facilities that everybody loves to have. This is part of that as well. New Bedford voters adopted, uh, I'm sorry, New Bedford voters approved the CPA in November 2014 and adopted a 1.5% surcharge. So that's what the surcharge is for New Bedford taxpayer, 1.5%. It could be as high as 3%. That's what the CPA allows for. But in New Bedford, they voted for 1.5%. These funds are matched annually by the state's Community Preservation Trust Fund. To date, over $7.2 million in additional funding has been received by projects funded by the New Bedford CPA. So you've got a 1.5% surcharge on your real estate tax that goes toward the Community Preservation Act fund. So 
1.5%. What does that mean? What does that mean in real dollars? Because that's what you care about, right? You don't care about percentages. You care about, like we said before, they, they were able to lower your property tax rate, but the valuations are higher, so you didn't pay less taxes. So you don't care about percentages. You care about real dollar figures. So let's let's talk some real dollar figures. I looked up on a couple of different websites. What's the average home price in New Bedford? Uh, Zillow had it at 350000 Redfin had it at 353000 So I said, yeah, let's use the higher number. So take that $353,000. The tax rate for the upcoming year will be, for the upcoming fiscal year, will be $15.54 per $1,000. So for every $1,000 that your home is worth, you will pay $15.54 in property taxes. So working with that average home price of $353,000, $1,554 times $353, I have the average taxpayer in New Bedford. Again, this is just the average, so your number might be different. 5485 well, basically I'll, I'll round it up. So if the CPA is a 1.5% surcharge of that, that would be for the average taxpayer. If the average taxpayer is paying $5,486, the CPA surcharge would be for the year $82.29. which works out to an average per month of $6.86, $7 a month for the CPA. Now, what has the CPA funded? Well, let's talk about that. Because just a few weeks ago, there were 23 projects that were approved by the city council, totaling $2 million in allocations from the Community Preservation Act. What are some of the things that that money is going to? 162000 going to Temple Landing for affordable housing. What are some of the other things? Well, let's look at the historic preservation. The Capitol Theater, 271000 Preserving the records of the city clerk, 50000 uh, And I'm going to skip around. I'm not going to read all of them, but they're all available on the city website. Let's get the let's get the, the the key ones. Gallery X stained glass windows ninety thousand dollars. Conservation of the New Bedford Free Public Library's historic paintings fifteen thousand dollars. Working on the archives at the New Bedford Fishing Heritage Center twenty five thousand dollars. The digitiza- digitization of the Whaling Museum's Whaling Log Books and Journals, $26,655. These are, these are things that I think a majority of the community like to see happen. Uh, one of the key ones, you know, when you're getting into outdoor and recreational facilities, is the construction of that new inclusive playground at the Kearney Academy, $250,000. Building a playground at the Boys and Girls Club, $47,000. Or I don't know if that's repairs to a current one. I'm, it doesn't say. So those are just the programs that are approved this year, which are which the city council just approved. The same city council that wants to put on the ballot whether or not you should get rid of the CPA. 
There's also a website for the Community Preservation Coalition, which keeps track of the projects that are being done in each community. And if you go to that, it's communitypreservation.org, and you search New Bedford, you can see some of the projects and what the status are of them. Things like 117 Union Street or the Moby Dick Building, which is adaptive reuse of a historically significant building into housing. 46 mixed income units with ground floor retail space. 34 community housing units. Uh, rehabbing 29 7th Street. Uh, other places here. Abolition Row Park. Building that park. Uh, the, the expansion of the community garden at a cushion at sawmill. Upgrades to the Brooklawn Park basketball court. The skate park they're proposing for Brooklawn Park. Preserving the Butler Flats Lighthouse. Again, these are just some of the continued restoration of the Siemens Bethel. Citywide, citywide signage for the city's park properties, which meet ADA needs to increase accessibility for visitors of all abilities. These are important things to have get done that I think most people want to see happen in their city. And what is it costing them? What is it costing the average person? $7 a month. Less than $7 a month. $6.86. I want to know, and I want you to call into me. If you are one of the people who called into Council President Morad or Councilor Carney or any of the city councilors and said, you know what? I don't want to pay this Community Preservation Act money anymore. I'm tired of seeing this surcharge on my property tax for $6.86 a month for $82 a year. I'm tired of this. I'm fine with everything else. Except for that damn CPA. I want you to call in and, and explain to me why you're against these things. I want you to call in and explain to me why you think it's better to cut that $82 a month, that $6.86 a month on average that benefits everybody in the city, why you would rather have that cut from your tax bill than have concerns about the way that the money is being spent in other places. This is a distraction move. This is a, don't worry about the fact that we gave these pay raises to people. Don't, these the salary reclassifications, don't worry about that. We're going to counterbalance that by giving you the option to get rid of the CPA. Don't worry about somebody making $50,000 more than they were making before. We're going to save you $6.86 a month. And again, it's only being proposed as a question to put out to the voters. But if the voters aren't educated on what it is they're voting for, they might make the wrong choice. I'm not saying what I think is right or wrong. I mean, obviously, I think keeping it is right. I mean, they might make the choice that they didn't want to make because they didn't have all the information. Because it will be worded, as Council President Morris said, it has to be worded in the exact manner in which they put it on, in which they accepted it back in 2014 so they have to use that same language and it doesn't mention that it's the community preservation act as she said there will be further explanation of it 
but that, you know, the, they had to use the same language. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing fine. You make a good point right around the clock. But no no, no arguments with what you were saying about six bucks a month. I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about $600 that she wants to give to the children that need it the most on welfare. I don't believe that should happen. So what, the $6 what? a month, I'll pay that any time of the week. I'll and, pay it every week, never mind every month. We and, have an historic city here. And you see the results of it. You can go out and enjoy the results of what those $6 a month are paying, is paying for. Well, I don't know more because I can't drive and I can't walk. Okay, But that's sorry. beside the point. Did, no, don't be sorry. I put a lot of years into the city. I put well, almost 60 years of working. But now I'm on a fixed income. I realize they dropped the taxes a little bit on the property tax. And I'm glad you put all those numbers up there. <laughs> you, you do your homework. Uh as a person that's on a fixed income, I'm sure there's other people here on a fixed income. They keep, I don't know why they raise the value of the house. I don't know why and who does that. I mean, it's a city council that does that, I realize. But who are they to say my house is worth $350,000? Well, the, the, the assessors. I mean, that's, that's their job. That's yeah. what they're trained to do. Well, they, they shouldn't. They should come to each one and say, your house is going to devalue this. Realizing what you said this morning, the property tax went down a bit. But next year, the value of my house is going up, so I'm going to pay twice as much. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to afford it. I'm on a fixed income. I'm all dead. And she wants to give $600 to each child on welfare. Why don't you just take my bloody money and let me be and pay these people off. I've got something for Linda Moran. Too bad she's not on. I'd like to ask her a question, but maybe you can. Wouldn't it be easier not to give them the $600? Give them the free education if that's what they want, because they figure they're entitled to more than what we've made. Why don't you just take, like Linda Moran, as well as the rest of the committee downtown, Take one person off of welfare with their children. Don't give them any money. Take them in their house. Find them a job. And you take care of them until they can get on their own feet. I'm tired of paying for these people who think they're entitled to all this stuff. And I can't believe that she would do something like that. I thought she was a smarter lady than that, but I guess I need them. I, you know, I think that's a mischaracterization. Not everybody on welfare is somebody that's trying to, you know, milk the system. There are a lot of people who are on it because they need it. They take it when they need it, and then they get off it when they don't need it. Who gets off it? I haven't found I, anybody yet. A, a majority of people, I think, do get off of it. <laughs> well, Tim, I guess my age and your age changes a bit because they had their own freedom to go to school on their own terms. They decided not to. And the responsibility isn't always on them. I don't blame these young ladies that made mistakes. And I believe there's a whole bunch that did. And I believe there's a bunch that probably, you know, took care of themselves. But I'll tell you, the responsibility of these young ladies that got messed up, that's the family's responsibility. They should take care of their own children, not everybody else. 
What if they have a family that doesn't want to take care of them? What if that's why they were messed up to begin with? Well, they got to do something besides just keep feeding them money. Uh, I don't believe feeding them money is going to make a difference. Well, wouldn't wouldn't sending them to school help them with that? Well, if you build a bigger mousetrap, you're going to make a smarter mouse. If I was there and getting twelve hundred dollars for my two children extra and going to school free, I'd be staying back every year. You know, these people have been on generations and generations and generations and generations, just pulling income tax money or, or tax money. And believe me, uh, I'm 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 a little not much older, but I'm older than you. I'm going to be pushing pretty much eighty-five, and I've seen a lot of people on welfare get so much more than I have right now in working 60 years for the city. And so, you know, I, the, the money that you're saying, it, it, it works, but they, they're just pushing the people, the older people, to the curb. That's what I feel like anyways. I feel like I've been used for 60 years, and now I'm not going to get nothing out of it. Well, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I mean, and at least you're at least you're willing to part with the six dollars and eighty six cents. So I, I, I thank you for that. Okay, I figured. You know, just just I just don't understand where the, where the uh, council comes in. Uh, oh, by the way, I want to ask you: Did they get their twenty five percent raise? The the city council. Yeah. No, that the the raises they were talking about were for management employees in the city, not for the council. The council got a raise a long time ago. Oh, 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 oh. I, I misunderstood that one. I'm sorry that I thought they wanted a 25% raise. Oh, nope, they, they, they wanted to put a raise. Uh, so so they had to reclassify the salaries of, of Unit C management employees, non, non-union employees. And so what it was was it was um, some, of, some of the positions they put a, a large salary reclassification on and more than they needed to. And so now they're working with the mayor supposedly to try and whittle some of those back down again but they put a cap on it at, at 25 percent could be the most somebody could get reclassified oh I, I misunderstood it that was my fault i apologize but you have a good day and i'm sorry that a lot of people right now i can't i don't go nowhere so going to the park matter of fact i went to the park with a friend he drove me to the store and you know nobody plays in the summertime at, at baseball in the park like we used to do when we were kids you know play roller bat you go here do that it seems like it's only only played on when uh there's a team playing yeah i know? think i think that's because they, they see the kids playing baseball and they go over and then they sign them up to play on the teams they, we, we've got no. some very good youth baseball leagues in the city <laughs> well the leagues yeah but i'm saying i never see regular kids you know i never see like a bunch of kids playing roller bat roll the ball uh just hit the ball three flies your turn to hit like we were kids down 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 uh Bubble Avenue, you know, or, or Riverside. We used to do that all the time. And, yeah, they had leagues, but they, I don't see any, I guess because of the computers and the pops and whatnot and so forth. But, anyways, I just feel bad. Nobody nobody understands where us old people, and I use the word old, sorry about that, people, I am. And I, I just don't see why the money's being spent for other things. It should be spent that not not for people, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to say people that, I use the word uh, low-income people, he's building houses for them. Get a job. If it's not enough money, get two jobs. He's the one that turned around and made 100,000 jobs in the city. 
If you can't afford the rent, you get two jobs. But right. I got to just hold you there because I'm up against a break. But thank you for the call, and you have a good day. Bye-bye. I do have to take a break. Uh, 508-996-0500 if you want to get involved in the conversation. We'll be right back. And welcome back in. Uh, we have just a few moments here before I have to take my final break of the hour. But I'm going to tell you, listen, it's a day today, a day like this. Go out, treat yourself to some breakfast, right? Just go sit down, relax, spend some time having a delicious breakfast. And where can you do that? At Just Another Phoenix Restaurant in Dartmouth. Because as I always tell you, they've got all your breakfast favorites, everything you'd expect to find. You know, bacon and eggs, sausage and eggs, hash and eggs, pancakes, French toast, waffles, everything that you'd expect to find. They're all on the menu there. But they also have creative specials. That'll be something you probably never thought of. And they have different specials every day, different omelets, different French toast, different pancakes, all kinds of things that you can check out that you would say, hmm, I'm in the mood for something different. You can go there every day and say that, never have the same thing twice. So head on over to Just Another Phoenix Restaurant in Dartmouth. If you can't stay, you don't have time, just use their drive through window. Call up, order it, and when it's ready, you can go right to the drive through window and pick it up. And because today is Tuesday, seniors get free coffee with the purchase of their meal. So check it out. Just another Phoenix restaurant in Dartmouth. They are wonderful people. It's a wonderful atmosphere. You can sit over at the counter. You can watch the cooks prepare your food. I think you're really going to have a good time when you go out to Just Another Phoenix restaurant in Dartmouth. Check them out. And also, if there is um, Boston Cream French Toast on the menu today, if it's one of the special items, Somebody bring me one, man. I'm starving. All right, I got to take my final break, and we'll be back in a few moments. All right, I am getting some app chat messages. We will get into those when we come back on the other side of the news, uh, because there's a there's some misconceptions that I want to uh, try to combat, including some that are coming in from app chatters themselves. We'll take your app chat messages on the WBSM app, as well as your phone calls at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. But again, six dollars and eighty six cents. That's the average amount of money. A uh, New Bedford resident pays for CPA, or, you know, for giving money, the surcharge, to the Community Preservation Act. That's what the question will save you. Uh, if you vote to repeal the CPA, you are voting to save yourself less than $7 a month on average for all of the great things that that program does. So I just want to make sure that you are aware of it, and we will continue to educate you on that throughout the course of the year. Uh, but, uh, well, 